Hello, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Fika with Funny. This is episode number nine. And before I introduce today's conversation, I want to tell you all that I have started a Facebook group for women only. It's called Handstands and Calisthenics for Women. So if you're a woman and if you're interested in learning how to do your first handstand, how to do cool calisthenics skills and that sort of thing, then please send me an email at funny, F-A-N-N-Y, at mobilitytraining.com.au and I'll send you an invite. In this episode, I talked to one of my closest friends, Zainab. Zainab and I met at a stretch class in Sydney a few years ago. And the way our friendship started was quite different because the time that we hung out was mainly at the stretch class. And so there was very little verbal communication going on. And us getting to know each other happened mainly through body language and an energy exchange at the stretch class. So in this conversation, we talk about that. And we also talk about Zainab's journey living in Iran America and then later on Australia. We talk about how she adopts the Western culture while still maintaining her old traditions from Iran and what it's felt like to live in different places and getting that feeling of being home. Zainab is a brave and wise woman and I draw a lot of inspiration from her and I think that you will listening to this episode as well. So enjoy this episode with Zainab Fahd. at Dave Wardman's stretch classes in Sydney. It was at uh, Cherie's place on Pitt Street at, the, at that time. And yeah. I remember walking into class for the first few times and you were there and, you know, there were heaps of different people there. And it's an interesting environment to meet someone because in the stretch class, you tend to not necessarily talk too much because you're there to stretch. You get very intimate with people straight away because you need to touch each other. You need to be very close. And so I, I found that um, the first sort of time of getting to know you was a lot through the body and just not necessarily like verbal communication or anything like that. We didn't like get to know each other as if you would, uh, you know, go for a drink with someone or something like that. It was more like, you know, hello, I'm funny. I'm Zainab and we're stretching and, you know, off you go. And it was a lot of, I felt like there was a lot of this communication happening and getting to know each other. But it was a lot of like body language wise, which I found really interesting. And so at first glimpse, I felt like we were quite different people. But when 
because I'm from Sweden, you're from Iran, and we have different cultures and backgrounds and all of that sort of thing. But when we started stretching together, I realized pretty like quickly that we are actually very, very similar at the sort of base and, and foundations. It's actually quite interesting what you're mentioning. I never had like really thought about it, like going back to it. Yeah, I think a lot of it, it started unfolding later on with each other without even knowing because maybe the, the, the body language is something that it takes time, at least for me, to realize what it means or how, it, how it's affecting like, my life as in friendship so it's, yeah it's quite yeah it's funny that um you would get a bit of a glimpse of how would you feel about the other person straight away mm. which which is like it's very different than when you go to a for a drink it you talk more than re, than you're realizing who the other person is like there's a lot of noise rather than the subtle, <laughs> the subtle, yeah, knowing each other, which is very cool. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good way of friendship. <laughs> yeah, I felt like it was, uh, it was the start of a friendship like no others that I've had before. Because I agree with you, like, I feel like even since I uh, came to Sweden and I moved to the Netherlands and we haven't seen each other for, it must be six plus months now. I feel like I am getting to know you in quite a different way because we are now, you know, calling each other and we have to talk. We can obviously sit there in silence and just be with each other, but we catch up in a, in a very different way now and I feel like I'm getting to know you in in a different way compared to when we actually saw each other which is a very interesting process yeah that's that's right as well it has yeah. a different angle of like knowing yeah knowing each other yeah yeah there's less uh, less like physically seeing each other has a it's a pleasant you see your friend it has a Whereas it's like you take that away. So that's only the friendship without that um, contact mm. feel of it. That is yeah. so true. But so for the people that don't know you the way that I do, who is Zainab? So as you said, um, I come from a Middle Eastern uh, religious slash Islamic background which is very different to the modern Western culture. I, I've been here for a long time, but I think the way that you live and your surrounding and your, your blood still plays a lot of role. So you don't really, um, engage with the, the, the new Western culture unless you really want it and you really like dive into it. 
and I think I was quite lucky to um, to really opening up to the Western culture by the stretch classes. I mean, that was my first experiences diving into the culture, mm. which has before that, even I had years of living in Australia, I never was, I wouldn't consider myself Australian. Yeah, so I think it made it, um, now that I'm thinking it made it easier in a way, like the body language, it, it wasn't always me have to try. It was already like coming to me as well. Um, without the, the, all the noises of, you know, the differences interrupting. Mm. Yeah. So it's been a while now that we know each other more than three, mm. four years. Yeah. Yeah, I, th I can't remember if we met in 2017 or I think it might have been around that time. Yeah. Maybe even earlier, but I think it might have been six, 16 or 17, I think. Mm. Actually, yeah. it might have taken like at least a decade for this friendship to come together in any other way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or for me getting involved in like, or um, engaging with the Western, I don't know what to put it, in Western way of living. Mm. I wouldn't say culture because it's not <laughs> still, um, the environment we met is not uh, like a mainstream um, sort of surrounding. It's a, a niche. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, it, it's not your ordinary stretch class either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I know that you've, uh, you're from Iran, but you've also lived in America before you'd lived in, um, in Sydney or Australia. How, um, how was your journey from Iran to America to Australia? Yeah. Take us on a journey. So it is actually now that sometimes if I flash back and see, oh, they all had to happen. So I, you, you learn from all the experiences you've gone through. Specifically, New York was, I was studying, um, I was always with uh, students and friends from Ivy League um, University. So it was always, you know, the main thing was, was you know getting better grades and ambitions and that sort of very different um, experience than what I had in Iran, which was more. It's not like go and get it, but New York, America was like focus, go and get it. Yeah. So I think that was actually a big, um, big growing up for me to being able to. Yeah, I can do something. I can you know um be be part of whatever i like to be it's you don't need to be passive it was more from passive to active actually mm -hmm. yeah and it wasn't too long it was around four years yeah enough time to yeah to get into my bones <laughs> <laughs> and um, so you lived in new york for a while but you also lived in texas didn't you yeah, it was only a few months there. 
Okay. Uh, yeah, I think I had like enough time to travel around America and uh, see the different parts of it with different, you know, nature feel and the people. Um, a little bit of understanding of, you know, others. Yeah. So, um, so um, as you know, uh, Luke and I recently moved to the Netherlands and we've been here for almost two months now. And it's very interesting because I've always felt at home quite easily in other places than Sweden, which is obviously where I'm from. But here, I have not yet found that sort of home feeling. I, I mean, I like the city here, um, The Hague. I like Amsterdam. I like the country. The culture is really cool to explore and, and all of that sort of thing. But it's an interesting thing, as you're mentioning, like getting the feel for the country, getting the feel for like the culture and the people and, and all of that sort of thing. How I'm interested to know how you have how you have found moving to obviously you were in America for a few years and then you came to Australia, which you've been for a few years now as well, uh, probably longer time than what you've been in America. But how are you finding it? I guess adapting and integrating and and all of that sort of thing. Also because the cultures can be quite different. Can you speak a bit about that? Yeah, I mean, obviously there are places that you like more than the other. I remember when I went to New York for the first few months, I just hated it. It was dirty and big, and yeah, I was I was like really jet lagged. It's like, but then I guess that was a big city, so there it had elements that it actually drew my attention, and I started engaging and liking people or where I studied but like you mentioned Texas Texas was one of the places that it just really didn't feel home mm -hmm. difficult you have it's you got to stay in your own bubble or it needed more time I mean sometimes time can help but sometimes some places just don't um uh you don't feel the connection yeah, even like when I was traveling through America, there were obviously places that you would say, oh, I want to come and live here. But no, maybe that or another places, it's like, you know, you don't feel that connection. But I don't know much about European countries. I, I guess they're like Amsterdam or where are you at? Um, I think the language is a big thing because... Um, I don't know Dutch all that well. And so I mm -hmm. think that definitely has a big part of me not really feeling at home because you sort of feel like a bit of an outsider when you can't speak the language and you have to excuse yourself or, you know, can we please speak English? And um, it just makes it a bit of a barrier to get past. Mm -hmm. But I can also relate to what you were saying with certain places or areas feeling more like inviting and more sort of vibing with you versus other places where it's where you just don't or you just feel a bit off or something I can feel that in 
in the Netherlands so far as well that certain parts of Amsterdam are really like um, I like the Hague as well but it's not as hmm, like I'm not connecting as well with the Hague I think or certain parts of it anyway um, hard to explain in words yeah yeah, yeah that makes sense um, but language is a you know what it reminded me of um, when I used to wear hijab so that brings a, like a big barrier when you want to meet people like I feel it's a little bit the same when you don't know the language it's like the first impression is not there it's a different it, it so it needs a bit of work to be able to go through that um, yeah. and make the connection yeah um, and it's and it's very difficult but actually when I went to New York um, and also when I moved back here to Newcastle, I was wearing hijab. So mm -hmm. it took me a while to start finding people and making the connections because, you know, the first impression wasn't there. You had, I had to like really try hard for it to, to show myself or to be able to connect to someone. Yeah. yeah. So um, how much of that, what's it called? He hijab yeah how much does that cover of your face i think it's the main the hair is the main as soon as you put that on it's it's a mm. different um yeah you get different look at the very beginning because you you won't get that when you're in iran everyone's the same but when you're out you you get that minority different others feel like impressions yeah yeah are there many english speaking people where you are now or yeah there is it's an interesting thing because luke and i spoke about it yesterday and like the dutch people are regarded as very good at english certainly uh, quite a welcoming country in terms of as far as language goes and they're very mm -hmm. yeah they're they've got good english basically and we've met a couple of guys sort of on the street when you you know you throw the garbage out or whatever and they start speaking dutch to you and you have to say oh i'm really sorry i don't speak dutch very well can you speak english and then and and a couple of times it's been like oh yeah okay yeah no worries it wasn't very important anyway and they don't repeat it yeah so luke sort of thought that maybe it's because they don't feel that confident in their english but they can understand english if you speak to them and i'm sure that's mm -hmm. obviously very different <clears throat> excuse me very different from um like person to person or maybe where you are as well but um, it's definitely a reflection uh, or something we've reflected on. Yeah. Yeah. How have you found it when you, uh, when you moved to Australia in terms of fitting in, integrating? Uh, do you feel at home there? Like all of those sort of things. Interestingly, I wasn't feeling at home at the beginning. Like I already liked <laughs> New York and staying in the States. So uh, it was a, 
yeah. it wasn't a, a pleasant move. Mm-hmm. I think for myself, I actually get, um, I feel home as you, you mentioned as well for yourself. I, I feel home when I feel home. It's like, Oh, this is a good home. I don't want to change it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's a bit of attachment or maybe it's just pleasant. <laughs> yeah. It's probably got to do with some of that and yeah, that it's, maybe familiar now and it's safe and yeah all of those things yeah but since um, back then it always um it felt like it at least it needs a year to 18 months to get settled in a place you at least need like three months to make a decision if you want to stay somewhere or not i that was my thing like if i could live somewhere for three months and be happy then I could live longer or maybe if I let that threshold pass and see how it feels after that like this three to six months then I'll make the decision I think week by week or month by month it has a different impression for a while yeah I, I can relate to that how are you finding like we spoke a little bit about the the Western culture and obviously the culture you come from, uh, from Iran and all that. How are you finding, because I know that you, um, you have your Iranian culture, like how should I put this, like features or like you, you hold on to your traditions and stuff like that. Yeah. How are you blending this in with the, the, western culture the culture of australia and how like i can imagine it being like a bit of a mold where you have sort yeah. of created your own thing that you uh that you like what what does that exactly. look like exactly i think it's always like back and forth going um so at one point i actually put everything aside because when you're attached to certain things it's you can't really experience the new things mm. So for a while, actually, I put most of the things aside or at least the things that I, I could um, notice. The way I would wear, the way I would eat, the way I would um, sit with people. But I could actually notice some, some of that would bother me. Like, oh, why do they do it this way? It's in my culture that is very rude, for example. <laughs> and, then I, <laughs> and then I started realizing, oh, it's not it's that how it's the different you know way of living and then actually that made me to cool down with some of the things that I thought I was thinking they are I don't know the the wrongs and right things yeah the black and white (laughs) the black and white yeah and then sometimes intentionally putting something off like if I always need to clean up before a guest comes then maybe I don't need to clean let it just be how it is things like that and gradually as you said like finding like making my own way of um, communicating and expressing um, which Mm. is quite nice there's no right and wrong it's what you feel or what do you what do you want to do? You do that. 
if you don't want to do that now you, you get the choice to to do it rather than being attached to it or not knowing that it you know it's you're taking it so serious as a, it's a right thing yeah Does that makes sense yeah yeah it makes complete sense <laughs> yeah i think there's not many um i'm sure there are people who have like find found their own way of living with the mix of two but yeah. usually you see whether they live in a like a a bubble of their their own culture in australia like you see that in italians or greek or like just blending so much and forgetting about any of the things that it could be beneficial for the western culture you can bring it in and you know introduce that yeah absolutely yeah yeah i totally agree with that the um the mix of uh different cultures and things that you really enjoy with the different cultures and the different countries and traditions why not you know do all of those yeah. things yeah. and i agree with you i think that there is if you can open yourself up to it i think that there is a lot that you can learn from anyone in any from any country in any culture um you know yeah that's true so it's actually nice that um sometimes we ourselves like we're afraid maybe or like we block ourselves not showing that or not you know if we are we are comfortable with and when we put it out then there, there are people who like it they would definitely yeah. enjoy it yeah i want to talk a little bit more about uh, expressing yourself because you're not just a good friend of mine you're also my rug dealer and you also express yourself really well through drawing so i wanted to dig a little bit deeper into that let's start with the rugs because I find this um, a very, very interesting area, which I am not so familiar with. And what I, what I see and, and hear from you is that um, you, you've imported rugs from Iran. You always tell me that they have like their different stories and you tell me stories from, you know, your childhood sometimes with your grand, your grandfather and um, you know, how you got into sort of enjoying the rugs and, and all of that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. tell, tell, us about us, uh, tell us about the rugs. Um, yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned expressing and then rugs as well. I do express a little bit in my drawings, but not as much I've noticed I've done it with rugs, actually. Because it's been barriers that um, it only could maybe be broken by... <laughs> showing something from iran that is you know a mm. craft an old old craft of iran or at least it might be the start of expressing but as you might know like persian rugs are always being dealers involved there's always money in the middle so you can say you can see that how much and in iran there's more men in power in this business mm -hmm. so it's it has its own custom and way of presenting. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> and and um, breaking that is been 
quite interesting being a Iranian woman but presenting the old craft of Iran in a very different way it's not appealing to many men <laughs> in Iran <laughs> <laughs> so okay I want to know a bit more about how you have navigated uh, importing these rugs and, and dealing with the men in, in like in the sort of rug business I guess how's that been for you yeah, it's like everything else when you enter into a new field. There are people who've been there for 30 years doing the work. So they know about the rugs. They know how to deal with. They know how much to sell it to you. So obviously there was a lot of learning for me for the past three years. But now if I go back to buy more, I know how to deal with them. It's not, you know, I am <laughs> my own boss now. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah. And it's sometimes things just appear like there were a few suppliers that I found and I started working with them. And that actually helped me to, to know the culture actually more in detail. Mm -hmm. How do men and women do business together? How businesses are done in Iran? How does it feel when you walk in the bazaars as a woman buying rugs? Yeah, I think it it taught me more about the the underlayers of the interaction between men and women, which was mm. really good, very informative, difficult, I would say. If someone's living in Iran as a woman and doing this, it might take much more strength and time. Mm. I think when you come from overseas and you go to Iran, they look at you already, okay, she has, she's coming from, you know, a Western country. It's, they, they know their limits already. But um, I noticed that it was much more difficult to, to express in Iran. It mm. needs a lot of strength. So being far away and expressing it actually is at least good for, for these stages. Maybe in 20 years, no one can tell you anything, but for now, it's <laughs> and it's been always a struggle. It's been always a struggle for women, whether mm. in any other fields, but for expressing. So I mm. think this was a very good tool or very good um, exercise for me to break some of those shells. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> You've told me some stories about um, your grandfather and I think it was your grandfather who uh, taught you how to fold the rugs and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. Tell me some stories about when you were young and your exposure to the rugs. Well, rugs are a part of household items in all, like everyone in Iran, like maybe a hundred percent. They, everyone has rugs, which is interesting compared to here. My grandfather was, it was nice to spend time with him as in teaching you some of these tricks of how to keep a rug, how to clean it, how to have respect for it. But then obviously, I think I really learned more when I went and collected all these rugs from all different regions. Mm. And like if I was exposed to maybe 20% of what's 
in in this craft i was more exposed to maybe 60 to 70 percent more of the variety and so when you were looking at the rugs because uh, i know since i've known you you've been back to have a look at rugs a couple of times i think at least so what are you looking for uh, when you're looking at the rugs first impression is always very important like oh as you open a, a rug there's an impression that comes up with it then i would say for me is the design and the things that pop out and as as you start looking closer you find traces of the skin and then that's when you really actually start connecting because it starts like telling you a story the, yeah the first impression is good to see if you want to even engage with that rug or not but then deeper you can start actually really looking and feeling and seeing what is uh, the rug is telling you and what is the story and it's been actually recently I've started digging digging in about the symbols and why this certain regions use different symbols and which which makes sense it actually shows that how they were connected to the nature like that's how they expressed the nature or how they like uh, interacted with nature into their craft yeah and sometimes it's it's like wow it's a lot a lot of story a lot of information <laughs> yeah when you're talking about the rugs the persian rugs the rugs from iran it seems like all rugs are telling a story somehow it reminded me of uh, what's that called you know like in australia they have like different drawings and stuff in the caves for example where they are telling a story um in sweden we have the runes and the scripts uh the runes sort of telling mm -hmm. a story yeah. as well so i guess one of the iranian ways of telling a story is, is making these rugs would you say so or yeah i think it's one of the main craft that it's been like taught from heart to heart generation by generation it's almost not there anymore so these days like the very new rugs are basically just copy one from another it's mm -hmm. nothing that comes from the soul of someone or that how they connect to the nature and the feel behind it i'm guessing that a lot of rugs these days maybe are machine made or machine woven or they are but they are also maybe like 80 percent are machine made but they are also handmade in factories or okay uh, workshops yeah yeah the the dealers will find the weavers and they ask them to make this certain certain pattern mm -hmm. for us many of the kids don't do the weaving um anymore they're studying or living in the cities and all the rugs that are actually i i have i they're at least all of them are 20 to 30 years old none of them are new mm. and i think that's actually the last um lines of <laughs> this craft so wow i know that there are few people who are like trying to keep this alive or bringing like all those weavers back into but it it would take a lot of time and effort to 
to be able to keep this um keep yeah. this craft it must take a very very long time to make a rug like that especially if you have like you know the massive ones that you have and that Dave used to bring to stretch cars where it fills up the whole floor of a room like they must take so long to make yeah and it's like a traditional thing in a family they would shear the sheep and then die they all have their own roles to make the wool and then the ones that are you know the professionals they would sit and weave and the whole family goes around this rug it's basically that's how they express themselves and because they're quite like they were connected to the nature they would have secret messages maybe (laughs) yeah we just need to figure those out from the rugs (laughs) (laughs) yeah or maybe yes trying to find the stories really connecting to the rug but then people well the people who come and buy they they feel it as well there were many occasions that as we open a rug the buyer knows oh i want this one or oh this really you know connects with me even online there were few customers who would just she just like one of them she just mentioned as i saw the rug i knew that's the rug that i want and it was yeah it's like a good art piece definitely I mean, I have a, a rug that I got from you and it was one of two rugs that I really, really liked. This particular one, it was like, I was drawn in. I wanted to just do my practices on it and stretching and do my handstands and, and all of that. And um, the, the rug is, that particular rug is probably not the best one to do handstands on because it was fairly thick. So yeah. when I try to adjust, it's sort of my fingers are sinking in too much. I'm not getting enough like resistance from it. But stretching, it's it's like a great rug and it's, it's big yeah. and it's the colors that I really like and, you know, it's the pattern. Yeah. And so I can definitely re- relate to that feeling of like, oh, this this one is special. This one has something that I really, really pulled towards. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think this was a very good um, uh, experience for me, like observing how one person will connect to a certain rug and not really just not pushing it and just seeing what happens. That's cool. Just let, let things happen uh, as it would. Yeah. Sort of and Australians don't like, they don't like to be pushed to buy something. They want to choose what they want. That's a very interesting observation as well. I think that would definitely go for Swedish people as well. They would like to, you know, choose themselves rather than being forced into particular thing. So Yeah. I've heard many stories that Western travelers in a rug shop in Turkey or in Iran, they were pushed to buy a rug and <laughs> They were like, mm. oh, we don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wanted to ask you because I have the last couple of years or so really, really tried to write articles. So I've been trying to find the way that I express myself the best. And at one point I thought writing articles is something that I quite enjoy doing. And so 
I'm gonna, you know, put my energy and time into writing articles and, and see how I can express myself in that way and how that is taken by other people and stuff. I've figured out somewhat recently the last few months that it takes me a great deal of finding an environment and a state of which I can sit down and write an article in the way that I would like to write an article, not just write for the sake of it. And so I've come to realize lately that I think writing is not for me at this point in time anyway. And I Mm -hmm. prefer doing audio, so podcasts, and actually enjoy doing videos as well, which I didn't use to. Like I could always feel like when I was writing, I had to like, have the right environment it couldn't be too much noise around me Um, I needed to like have a cup of tea or coffee and so I set up all of these things that my surrounding and my state needs to be this otherwise I can't produce the work so well and Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you about this if you have experienced anything like this when you are drawing if there is a specific like environment and state of mind, you know, if you have any rituals, like, you know, you need to take a dump beforehand, you need to have a coffee, like anything like that. Definitely. I can um, relate to that. It needs certain energy for it. There have been nights that I would wake in the middle of the night to just putting down and like visualizing what I will be drawing. And it could be like three hours I've been just doing that thing that I couldn't do during the day with the noise going on. And I've noticed with the rug studio here, things need to be in a state of flow that I can create, which is a good push. Then this means I need to like be active in selling and, you know, making the place with in a state or it might be for you, the videoing and, you know, that thing that brings that state for you to be able to write that sort of creativity needs focused um, energy and attention and sometimes it doesn't come but sometimes it's a false thing that it's like pushing it away so it's like constantly you're trying to clean it so you can start uh, (laughs) it's uh, funny that actually you're mentioning this because I've been struggling a lot last year with being too crowded here with rugs that the creativity wouldn't come that's why I had to like open up a space and try to as you said make that space that you know it's um igniting the the fire underneath (laughs) yeah for me I found that I I think I ended up in this process I think I ended up making things up for like a little bit of like procrastination almost for sitting down and writing because it does take it's not something that comes very easy for me and so Mm -hmm. sitting down and writing I almost created this like perfect environment in my head and if that didn't happen then the writing wouldn't necessarily happen so well either. And I find that I seem to have an easier time to create an environment and a state of mind that I need to do a good 
podcast or like some kind of audio or video material compared to when I was trying to write. It just Mm. didn't seem to work so well for me. Oh, it would be interesting to see how it goes actually. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I mean, maybe I come back to the writing at some point later on. Maybe I've let go of some of those like must haves with like the coffee or the tea or I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. That's a good thing as well. One of the questions that I probably haven't honed in fully yet, but I want to ask you is, and you can take as much time or answers at as short or as long as you feel like, but what is it like to be Zainab in this world? Is there anything in particular that comes up, any like struggles or desires or purpose in life or? Yeah, it's, um, I was actually thinking today, I don't know how to put it in words, but it just felt today that, oh, past is like past is past struggles of past you can still feel them but they're not really affecting you you don't need to let them to affect you so it feels like you have power over them (laughs) they can still be there i mean doesn't each person goes through struggles if you want to you know step up and and really do you got to go through struggles and you, those struggles will come up more for you and you see them even more, but then you don't want to be caught up in that. And then today it just felt like, oh, okay, it can be there, but it's not really Zainab. It's not really being comfortable with it, but not affecting you. Uh, this has actually recently helped me to not be shy or fearful in doing stuff because of you know you you would have past expectation of how things would turn up but now if you don't have that anymore then you can just see what happens or it could be a good outcome or bad outcome doesn't matter it's just you want to do it now you just do it yeah it feels and with art actually I've been feeling yeah I just want to draw and enjoy it's the area that I don't want to really, you know, sell or put it out or see what someone else would want. Just like ch- children, let's just draw and enjoy. <laughs> or if there's a, yeah, if there's a skill I need to learn, I can just do that a few times. Or it's mm. the the doing that is actually becoming not attached to your past experiences and just doing it. It's being joyful. I would definitely, you don't know if your, for example, your art is going to be known or not known, or is it going to make money or not make money? I don't know what's going to happen. I think I would rather just be, see what happens and have no expectation, but instead just doing it and really enjoying it. That's always so, a, a good thing to, or good angle to come at it from. Yeah, there's more joy actually now in like, oh, let's go do that. Oh, rather than, you know, having, comparing it with whatever might have happened in the past, you know. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. That's, uh, that's very interesting. I think we have spoken about a lot of really interesting things uh, in this podcast. The last thing that I want to ask is, because I really, really like chocolate, 
and I've seen okay. that you like chocolate too uh, from memory. Do you have a favorite chocolate that you can recommend? Yes, I like the 78% Lindt. Maybe that's why they brought that one out at one point. I think there was the 70, the 85, but then at one point they brought out the 78. And that's the one? <laughs> that's the one, yeah. <laughs> I actually don't think that I've tried that chocolate, so I'm going to go to a shop and see if they've got it here. Is the chocolate better over there? You know <laughs> <In> what? <Europe? laughs> I, I like uh, Swedish chocolate and I also like Dutch chocolate. But um, Luke and I have gotten into a bit of the uh, single origin chocolates lately. Um, mm. You might remember that Luke is very big into coffee. He's a big coffee nerd. And so that seems to be carrying over to chocolates now. Oh. <laughs> so um, we've tried some single single origin chocolates and I've really enjoyed a couple from, I think the last one was Ghana and the other one was from Cuba that I really liked. And okay. th these particular ones, they make like 70% versions of so they've been really tasty. Okay, I'll look for that actually. I've actually yeah. never paid attention to single origin for chocolate. Same. Until <laughs> recently. But it's, oh. it's good. It's worth it. Well, thank you so much for um, being here and uh, taking the time. 